We head back down south to Bogalusa, Louisiana in our interview with middle grade author Leslie C. Youngblood to talk about her sophomore novel, Forever This Summer. This story is a follow-up to her critically acclaimed Love Like Sky, which tells of two young girls wrestling with a loved one's illness and uncovering secrets that will rock both of their world. Leslie C. Youngblood reveals how an encounter with James Baldwin changed her life forever, why she chose to write novels for young children, and how she pulled memories from her childhood to keep build this compelling and remarkable story. Stay with us on this next episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Denny, and I'm holding a book. (laughs) And I am Veronica. And as you can tell, we are (laughs) extremely hyped because we have a very special guest. We are talking to our August. I got to make sure I get my month straight. (laughs) Our August uh, YA book of the month. Um, we are talking to the author. Her name is Leslie C. Youngblood. She is the writer of her uh, second novel, which is Forever This Summer. And we are so excited to um, talk to her today. Uh, so we're going to just give you all a little info on Ms. Youngblood. Um, Leslie C. Youngblood received an MFA from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro a former assistant professor of creative writing at Lincoln University in Jefferson City. She has lectured at Mississippi State University, UNC at Greensboro, and the University of Ghana at Ligon. She's been awarded a host of writing honors, including a 2014 Yaddles Elizabeth Ames Residency, the Lorraine Hemingway Short Story Prize, a Hearst and Wright Fellowship, and the Room of Her Own Foundation's 2009 Orlando Short Story Prize. In 2010, she won the Go On Girl Book Club Aspiring Writer Award. She was born in Bogalusa, Louisiana, which our story is based, and raised in Rochester. She's fortunate to have a family of natural storytellers and a circle of supportive family and friends. Love Like Sky was her first novel. And today we're going to be talking about, as I said earlier, her second novel, her sophomore novel, which is Forever This Summer. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I would like to start by saying I thought I updated my bio. I, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna give it a, a quick update eventually, okay. but that's cool for now, I suppose. <laughs> I, still have, I still have stuff on there from 2010. Now come on, I need to update. <laughs> you got credentials. You gotta let the people know, you know. Um, so what we like to do when we have our our YA authors on. Um, one of Denny's definitely special favorite things <laughs> is to put them in the hot seat. So we're going to ask you five questions and you need to be quick on your feet and you're just going to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Can I make one small note here though? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is a distinction. That's the only reason I'm pointing it out. Uh, forever this summer is MG, which is middle grade. So it's it's a distinction between middle grade and MG that is 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 really distinct in, in genre where there's a lot of things in MG that you won't find in YA like mm-hmm. cursing you know anything past a cutesy little romance or not even uh, not even romance but a crush perhaps so there's a little distinction between MG uh, middle grade and, and and YA just just so people know because I don't want you know them to think that there's too much going on and it's 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 a reason that mg is is mg i suppose (laughs) that is for sure but i do 
want to um, add to that, that uh, regardless of genre, I think every single age can definitely pull something and relate. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we're definitely going to talk to you about because this book definitely hit home for both of us in, in I, deep ways. I love that. I love it. And that is the way it's supposed to be because I really, there's really not a big distinction, but you know, just for clarification for people that are purchasing it for their children and vice versa, but you're, you are definitely right. 100%. They are, there's, there's a lot of gray areas in both. So mm-hmm. let's get right to the hot seat. Let's do it. All okay. right, let's go. Question number one, favorite Southern dish. Fish and grits. Ooh, favorite Whitney Houston song. Um, favorite to hear the song is, um, oh, oh, don't tell me it, it's, uh, it's, I, I want to say I'll always love you, but I don't think, I think it's the one where, okay, I'm going to go with I'll always love you. Okay. Favorite nickname as a child? Just Les. I didn't really have a nickname. Just Les, L-E-S. If you have to be in quarantine with one of your characters, who would it be and why? Oh, I'll be in quarantine with uh, with Georgie so we can, you know, figure out some other stuff that we want to do together. Okay. If you had to join the talent show, what talent would we see from <laughs> Leslie Youngblood? Let me tell you. Okay. It will not be singing. It definitely <laughs> will be that. Um, you will prob- I would probably get up there and do like a, dr- a, dr- a dramatic monologue or something. Um, and I do have a dry sense of humor, so I may do some of that, but it would, I can tell you, it will not be singing, but maybe uh, reading poetry or reading a short short. All right. Hey, Black Child. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I would be out with my hey, Black, I would do that. That's what So um, we were introduced to your uh, to your writing through your second novel, which is what we're talking to you about today, forever this summer. Um, and it wasn't until probably like maybe midway into the novel that we realized that oh, this is a follow up from a previous story. And, wow! Okay. And so uh, you had written. Uh, love like sky and that was your your first book in this i guess we can say is this is going to be a series it, it will i well i think i'm not sure when the third one will come right now that's sort of i'm going to move on to an, another area but i would i would i could see it going to a third book okay i could see it too Ms. leslie i wanted yeah. it I, I wanted to go there. Yeah. But, okay. But I'm a little question. It's always good to hear. It's always good to hear. <laughs> so um, we want you, can you um, like talk to us about how you created Georgie and Marky as well as the, and what was the inspiration behind Forever this summer? Well, the inspiration, and of course, I'll have to touch a little bit on Love Light Sky since this is the follow up even though I believe, and as you guys know, that it, it stands alone. You oh, don't yeah. necessarily have to read um, Love Like Sky, but Love Like Sky was my debut novel. It um, published in 2018, and it was in Georgie and her baby sister Peaches are in a, a blended family, and both parents are remarried, so it was all about blended family. And so, so I won't spend much on, more on that, but moving to Forever This Summer, which just published in July, the, the family, the Matthews, decided to take a trip to Bogalusa, Louisiana, which is actually my original birthplace and the birthplace of my mom and a lot of my actual family. Though, I, of course, I fictionalized it a lot for um, you know, my purposes here. But the family decides to take a summer vacation, sort of to visit on LV who isn't remembering things very well. Um, and so the, the story is about going in and working at, at the diner. But how I, I came about G-Baby, I think it was just my desire to have a, a young girl experiencing a blended family for all of those young girls out there like myself at that time who are in blended families. 
So I thought that was important. And that was one of the reasons why Georgie came about in Peaches. So that's, that's Georgie, just to have that connection. And now Marky, which is, is one of my favorite characters. I mean, I, I absolutely love Marky. I love her uh, attitude, her determination. And really, I, you know, honestly, she's one of those characters where when you're writing, she just comes to you. Her voice started coming to me and I just went with it. She definitely is one of my newest favorite characters uh, in this <laughs> genre. Um, she has spunk. Yeah. I, yes. I, I love about her. Really liked reading about her. And so about uh, her, when we talk about the need for having more diverse books uh, in literature, it can often be lost in stories written mainly about like cisgendered, heteronormative, able-bodied kids of two-parent households. But you did not do this in this novel. You have given us Marky, who's such a beautiful, well-rounded, full character who has a disability and is a foster child. How did you decide that you wanted to present the character in that way? And, you know, that's, that's a great question. And as writers often say, and it's definitely true in my experience, some, your childhood comes back to play. And, and we use that for fodder, for creativity in, in my case. Now, I have, I had a, growing up, we had cousins, both who had limb differences, and what, what struck me as I became an adult is that we never really addressed it. We never, I mean, we never said anything about it. We never said, hey, you know, um, you know, you know how is, why is your arm this way or that way? It was, it was just how, it was just them. They presented like that and, and we accepted it. And, and I wonder sometimes is that everyone's experience? Is that everyone's experience that they um, have family members with a limb difference and there's just no conversation? You know, with even as children, we didn't talk about it. And now I wonder though, is that the best way to handle the situation or would they have wanted some conversation? I don't know. And so it was something that I was just trying to, to work out in this story. And also kids can, you know, are really, they can be mean and I'm sure they've experienced that. But when they came around us, it was just, they could do anything that we can do. And, um, and I think that I, I kind of touch on that with Marky, but that was my experience with, with, with limb difference. Um, and that was when I was, you know, I was around Marky's age when, around Marky and, and Georgie's age when um, we were really close around you know 10 or 11 or so I've definitely because I worked in in elementary all the way up to high school for close to 15 years so my experience of how children are now versus how they were when I was growing up is bravely different uh in regards to dealing with children who might have a learning disability or a physical disability or such mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with what you're talking about of having that conversation of seeing it out, you know, or like with your book, reading something where you can have an understanding that children can do all, all things together and it not be that thing that you have to like point out every single time. And what Marcus character did a lot where she was like, you know, why do you want to talk about just say what you want to say mm -hmm. so we can keep yeah, just, a, just address it. And I think sometimes parents instill that in us. Don't you say anything about it. Don't you, you know, don't you stare. Don't you look. And sometimes I think kids, they, they want to be fully seen. And if it, it doesn't mean that you treat me differently, but it means that you see me, you acknowledge me. And yes, you know, this is this this is how I look, just like your arms are this length, these are the length of my arms. And I don't I think Marky did want Georgie to say, hey, it's okay. And I think Georgie being um with good manners always doesn't necessarily translate the best in some in certain situations. So I, I think Marky just wanted to be seen and, and wants to be seen um limb limb difference and all. And I think that's something that Georgie has to, to learn. Why did you choose to put um, 
the subject of foster care within the novel. And, you know, as I said, <laughs> I think I, the, the more we discuss novels and the more I discuss my writing, I find that a lot, you know, I, I do pull from, from my own experience, which some writers deny it, but I don't know how a writer cannot pull from some of their experience. But anyway, that's another, another story. My mom was a foster parent. And, you know, we often talk about, you know, as we were presented with the kids who came into our lives and then, you know, they were gone, um, you know, we want to, you know, what happened to them? How are they? You know, they leave an impression. And, you know, your goal as a, a foster parent and, you know, our goal as foster, I guess, foster siblings, so to speak, was to, to, to give them the best experience that we could when they were living in our home. So, you know, but, and, and I think my mom did a, you know, an excellent job of that, but we often talk about them. So that just came up where I wanted to acknowledge these relationships. Um, I wanted for, I wanted uh, foster kids reading the book to be seen um, to, to, you know, to the, to that degree, even though Marky doesn't necessarily have the quote unquote best situation, like my mom presented, um, it's still a part of, you know, who she is right now. Uh, have you considered writing? A, I know you, you touched on it a little bit when we were talking about this series, <laughs> but have you considered writing a prequel for Marky? Because I would really be interested in that story of yep geniuses you're reading my mind I, 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 I'm, I'm not we'll, we'll we'll leave that there and I'll come Ooh. back <laughs> now if it's it comes to fruition you know you can come back and talk to us about it right I volunteer <laughs> you know let's be honest is as much as we love uh Georgie and then once I believe once you read I love like sky you'll love her more but Marky is to me a standout character. Mm -hmm. She is, and 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 I start when I started writing her, you know, because keep in mind, in in Forever This Summer, I mean, I'm sorry, in Love Like Sky, I didn't even have Marky in mind. So it wasn't until I started um, Forever This Summer that I said, "Hey, wait a minute, I, you know, I don't, I don't want this just to be uh, Nikki, Georgie." And um, Peaches again, I want there to be another character. And so here comes Marky and she kind of takes over. In a good way. So, yes, in a great way. Yeah. In a way, I, I know for a fact I can write her as a standalone, um, you know, prequel. That'd be nice. That'd be really <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Now, <laughs> play this for my for for my public no for my agent say hey see i'm top we, we need to work on it yes please. they're asking for it the people are asking yes for if, it. If, they, if they want um live reviewers you know <laughs> we're right here they can talk to us i appreciate it and i will definitely and you know we've mentioned it and we're talking about it so i wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's if it's if, if it's something that you you'll see for me sooner than later Yay! <laughs> I just um, in October 18, 2014, I initiated and participated in a fundraiser to help end Alzheimer's disease. I did it for my grandmother. Her name was Rita, and for my grandfather, who was taking care of her at that time. Um, May 2020, who finally lost her to the disease. To say that this story is close to my heart is an understatement. Um, thank you for focusing on Aunt V's life, humanizing her character by showing all of us that she is not just defined by her disease. Right. Um, I really bought tears <laughs> while saying that to you because I truly appreciate it. I grew up with my grandparents. They're basically the other half to who, like, who I am today, what I am today is because of them. I'm an immigrant. I stayed in the Philippines because I didn't want to leave them. Mm. So I I went through it. Um, but can you, you know, for, for the people that don't understand um, how and why you chose this route for this novel, can can you please speak on more in that, please? Oh, definitely. Um, Denny, my grandmother suffered from it as well. 
Um, but you know, what I wanted to accomplish in, in our forever this summer is your right to humanize her, but also sometimes, especially when we're dealing with, with middle grade age kids, you know, 11, 12 and under, they are close to Alzheimer's, but no one talks to them about it. No one really discusses it with them. And they wanna know, they, they have questions. And, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to touch on with Forever This Summer to, to understand while people, by the caretakers, and they take so much, the caretakers are taking the brunt of things, but the children who are around and, and the children who just want grandma to remember their name or, or, or you know, for grandma to, to play with them and that grandma cannot, those, those kids may not even know the questions to ask sometimes, you know? And, and I, I just wanted this book to, to open that conversation because as you know, in, in the book, she has it at a pretty advanced stage, but she's still there, she's still present and she still has that family that, that supports her. And it just, it just is a testament to that, that I, I, I think that I chose to really dive into it because not only because it's personal and it's important to me, but I know that so many kids who are dealing and loving and caring for a, a, a probably a grandparent or a guardian or even a parent with um, any stages of, of dementia or, or Alzheimer's, they have questions and they sometimes they don't know how to ask. And I think I think this book can help with that. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that you focused on that narrative because I was the same a little bit older than Marky when I realized that my grandmother was sick mm -hmm. I was noticing the changes mm -hmm. on her but I did nobody was talking to me like you were saying right and I noticed that because you know parents are parents and the caretakers and and just like in in most of the novels that middle grade and young adult novels the adults have their agency there and, and kids have theirs but the adults are so busy with the with the business of caretaking which is tremendous that there's no time to to really sit and and talk to the child about these changes and that is something that i i, I wanted to show um parents that is that is it's not only okay to do it's necessary to do because we all know from and if you 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 know denny and, and, and veronica you you're reading ya you're reading mg kids know more than we give them credit for anyone who writes in these genres understand that so they know that something is wrong and and they understand that hey um something is, is is not right here and and if we could talk to them about it they would have a better understanding and they could act they they, they could choose to see what they can do to help and and feel that they're making a difference and I, and kids need that some time as well that's what i liked about uh georgie's character from the from jump in the book where she's talking about her wanting to help with her aunt and her mom just kind of like her to the side having her to do other things around the house but not letting her like either venture out or like venture in within the home that she is in to really like be a part because you know like what we learn later on like you never know exactly where someone's going to be when they're dealing with Alzheimer's and how they will receive you and what energy that they're going to give when they see your face so I'm sure that was something that her mother was taking into consideration but when that's not explained and then you have that incident of her being you know watching her mom have that incident between her and her aunt you know it just makes it more confusing um and so you you took aunt v's alzheimer's and you personified it in a, in different ways uh in the beginning of your novel you described it as being a monster that takes stuff that doesn't belong to them and later you describe Aunt V as ha being a butterfly that Georgie didn't want to frighten away when she thought she was recognizing her. How did you come to writing this illness? Because I'm always interested in how writers take something so simple and then just tweak it 
to show you, okay, this is how I'm going to approach it. How did you decide that you wanted to personify her illness that way? Well, you know, when you're dealing it, when you're dealing with with uh, middle graders, what they understand, if, if, unfortunately, is is bullying. So it came to my mind that that's what you know this disease is. It takes and it doesn't give back like bullies do. They take things that don't. It doesn't belong to them. These memories do not belong to that disease. They belong to this family and they belong to Georgie. They belong to Aunt B. They belong to, but it, but this, but, but Alzheimer's takes it. And, and as, as it says, it will, won't give them back. And I think when it, when that thought came to me, I was like, that is a way to explain it to children, you know, cause they, they, they recognize that on Unfortunately, with, with, with dealing with bullies, either and you know, firsthand or, or having heard what they do, and you know, to, to simplify it, they take things, they take your milk money, they take this, and they, they they won't give it back. And so that is when when I came across that as a way to explain it. But then you know later on, when when Georgie understands that even through this, on B is still there. And, you know, we had that incident um, happen with Aunt B and the mom. They also understand, and most people do, the beauty of butterflies that we just want to watch them, but we're scared to approach them really quickly or any sudden movement. And guess what? The butterfly is gone. And just like, you know, when Georgie feels that Aunt B is remembering her, you know, she wants to hold on to that, but she knows that at any moment, that beautiful moment can can disappear, which makes just like our sighting of butterflies, which makes those moments just that much more, you know, precious mm. to her. Yeah. And as some like as a child that went through somebody very close to them, like my grandmother having Alzheimer's disease, I saw all of it. I saw the <laughs> I, I saw the the violence, I saw the yelling, you know, kind of like the emotional abuse, physical abuse. But they didn't mean it. They, you know, they they and but as a child, I was like, what is happening to my grandmother who was, you know, two months ago was saving snacks for me in her like little cupboard and now was wanting to like throw some stuff to anybody that comes to her. So when I read that moment, I like I saw like little Denny in mm-hmm. the back and was like, oh my God, like. If I had this book when I was like younger, maybe it would have helped me see things differently because you are very right. Like all the adults are just trying to like save their sanity and keep everybody safe. Right. Right. Which is definitely not taking anything away from the adults because that's what that's what they're just they go into adulting and that's what they do. And sometimes kids are, are left, you know, by the wayside. But as a, you know, a, a middle grade writer, I feel that that's my job. How can I break this down, give it to a child, you know, not simplify it and, and babyfy the child, but present it to them in a way where they can digest it and understand it. And also even empathize perhaps with the parents that are going through it. So there's a lot of work that, that we have to do. And, and as I believe it was Maya Angela if, and uh, maybe another uh, writer on paraphrasing that if it's, if it's easy, trust me, we put a lot of work in to make it look like a, a you know, an easy thing, but it's, it's, it's really difficult to try to figure how much to break down so a child can digest it mm-hmm. and, and not talk down or, or write down to them, which we definitely don't want to do. So respecting somebody's wishes and making decisions in behalf of your family member is a big responsibility. Day in, day out, you're caring for this individual and it becomes very exhausting. Um, Caregiver respite is something that we do not focus on a lot because at caregivers, we feel guilty or Mm -hmm. we can always do it better than whoever is that's going to replace us. Um, I saw Hannah as a potential break for V's family, but there are a lot of resistance from the Sweetings and they have their very valid reasons. But also as an adult reading this novel, I felt the need for that respite for that family. The realization is that we cannot do things alone. 
Right. Exactly. How do we try to explain that to our young readers, this concept of caregiver respite? You know, I, I think that is a that's probably a difficult one to explain because the, the mom isn't honoring that. You know, she wants to do everything on her on her own. And um and Georgie is 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 looking at her and and noticing her even her physical change in appearance, right? From um how you know her hair isn't as kempt as it is it, unkempt and and she doesn't she's not wearing her perfume that, that she would normally wear so she is going through it so I would I guess it all goes back to us just taking time to communicate mm-hmm. and and showing them this is what we need to do we have a family unit it's, it's a family unit for a reason so we can all share responsibilities and I think the mom and we know you know not to give away a lot but we know the mom has has a lot of a lot of other things on her mind when it comes to the relationships and the story. But I think the best thing that we can do is, is just say, hey, um, you know, when you're with your friends and how you guys should, should share responsibilities and things, we need to do focus more on that in, in the household. So if, if that makes sense, I think Georgie's mom um, could really just just talk to Georgie more about how they should do things but somebody probably needs to talk to her because she's <laughs> she's not doing all the right things sometimes and, and parents don't normally that's true that's very true we're all humans mm-hmm. yep and that and you know what and that's and sometimes isn't that what it's about and I think that that is a, a big takeaway that they they're all new to experiencing this except from even the sister to watch her sister and, and decline is hard. So some of these questions, you know, they can only work out in time and, and as a family. So we want to switch gears just a little bit. We've talked a lot about the book, but we need to talk about the author. Hey. So <clears throat> one of the questions we were really in, always interested in knowing um, is what has your journey um, into becoming an author been for you as a Black writer? And how did you come to writing books for children? Wow, um, I have been out there for a long, for a while. I, I mean, 15, 20 years, not writing books per se, but I started initially writing at, in a, at a newspaper called the Atlanta Tribune in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was just a, a staff writer there, assistant editor, staff writer. But let me tell you what happened um, that absolutely turned turned my world around. I didn't come into writing until maybe in my early 20s that I knew this was it for me. And um, before that, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Ask me why. I, I don't know. I, I don't even like to shop now it's just <laughs> I can't stand it you know but you know well I'll, I'll tell you why because back in the day um there was this movie called Mahogany and Diana Ross was a fashion designer and I believe I saw Diana Ross um as a fashion designer and was like that's it for me so <laughs> I, I mean I'm so serious I think that is what and plus on the, on the more serious side my grandmother and my mother um, could sew very well. My, my grandmother was a, a seamstress and my mom could, could sew and I used to sew throughout high school. So fashion design seemed to be, you know, the thing. But so my mom wouldn't let me go off to New York to, to go to the Fashion Institute, blah, blah, blah. So and I, I went to school in Atlanta and, I'm, and I decided not to do the fashion design route, but marketing so I could know more about the business. And Lo and behold, I'm pursuing this marketing major and I'm going to night school. Life has happened and I'm working full time and going to school at night. Okay, let me tell you this, what happened. The short version of it is I'm there and I'm reading at my reception desk and a secretary named Nettie, I will never forget her name. She hands me this book. She says, hey, I think you will like this. It was James Baldwin's Go Tell It on the Mountain. I read this book in one sitting the rest of my day there. The next day, 
I went to my counselor, academic advisor, and I switched my major. And there it is. I said, if I had never, sitting there reading Baldwin, seeing these characters that were my mom, everyone in my family, I had never had a book evoke that kind of emotion, ever. And um, I changed my major and therefore changed the course of my entire life from reading that book. That's making me tear up because like, we already know how powerful his writing is, but to make someone say, okay, I'm totally changing my entire career path that I thought that I was going on to do, to pursue what he is doing in this, in this book. It evoked emotion. And I think at that point, let me just tell you, people think that, oh, you're a writer. You must've been a great reader as kids. I'm sure I love to read but I was the oldest, my mom was working and people don't understand unless books, especially books with, with kids with kids that look like you, books that you gravitate toward, unless they were given to you, um, then they, you just didn't happen upon them. Like people can, you know, now with, with the, you know, internet and everything like that, it, it wasn't, I did not have, the books were there, the writers were out there, the black writers were out there, but no one put them in my hands until I was much older. And so when I sat and I saw a book, cause before that, I think I was reading a lot of Sidney Sheldon and um, you know, uh, stuff like that, that, you know, I didn't mind that the people didn't look like me cause I didn't know enough to, I didn't even know enough to mind. That's how bad it gets. You don't even know enough to be upset. You're just reading it. You think it's entertaining and you think that's what it's supposed to be until I read Baldwin and I said, oh my God, what am, what am I been missing? What, and if he can evoke this kind of emotion in me, I want to do that. And so there it, it turned, it changed my life. I never looked back. And then once I changed my major to English, I had to take it a step further and change my minor to African-American studies because I was bombarded even in, in English with, you know, old English and things like that, that I couldn't, I was like, wait a minute, I, I need, I gotta put some more black stuff in. <laughs> so it, 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 it was, it was, so I had to change my major to English and then add the African-American studies to make sure that I was getting the, the African-centered lit, African-American-centered, African-centered lit. So it, it was a process. And then I went on to graduate school, my MFA, and that was a whole nother ballgame. Well, we have to say thank you, Mr. James Baldwin, because <laughs> look what look where we are right now. Like to be able to talk look to you. Look where we are right now. Look <laughs> where we are now. And oh my goodness. You know what? At that point, keep in mind now, if I didn't know Baldwin, I had no concept of Morrison. Mm. Oh my. And then when Morrison comes on the scene, oh, I mean, even if I even thought about changing my mind, all bets were off at that point. I mean, when I read the book, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, oh, it's just amazing. And, and I'm so thankful and blessed that it, it happened. And it's, it's just my journey now. Now, you, you mentioned how you had to, you know, pick up a minor in African-American studies, African studies. Um, and so it, you needed to have the Blackness to surround you, right? And so when reading your book, there's a point where a poem is mentioned that we talked, we mentioned slightly at the very top of the program, and it is Hey Black Child. And so Hey Black Child is a poem that my family holds very close because <laughs> uh, we I have a I have a uh, my youngest nephew uh he I think he was probably about maybe four mm -hmm. and he had to learn that poem and we have a tape recording of him saying uh you seen Eugene Perkins hey black child and it is it he had been at it for a long time of him trying to remember this poem and my mom is like, okay, come on, say, hey, black child. And so he's like, hey, black child, do you know? Do you really know? Do you know, grandma? Do you know? And you can tell at that point, like, I'm tired. <laughs> but that poem has stuck with him for years. Like, he paints now. And so that was one of the pieces that he painted. So I wanted to know, I say all of that to ask, 
why did you choose to have that particular piece spoken about in the book? Well, you know what, let me tell you something that some things you do intentional and some things, you know, that was one of the things that I wanted them in there because I, I just wanted to pay homage to it. And I wanted for it to be a conversation and I wanted it to come up and I want my, you know, for teachers who are teaching it to teaching um, forever this summer who may not have known of the poem to, to, to offer it up as something to learn and study from. So that's one of the, the beauties as, as an author, we get to do those things. We get to make sure that things that we love, things that are important are in there, not only because I think it definitely fits what I believe Peaches would uh, do because I've, I was watching videos, YouTube videos, and oh my goodness, if there's ever a poem that little black kids, you know, get down on is, <laughs> is hey, black and so you know, and they like to scream, hey, black. So it it is it's beautiful to watch. You will go down a rabbit hole watching it on YouTube if you if you want to watch. You know, kids recite. It always to me invokes invokes Easter speech type Christmas. Pro, I mean, Easter programs at churches. So I thought it was just an, an, an important to have there, and um, so it, it was. It was that's one of the reasons. So there, so teachers who didn't know it will know it and and can and offer it up to um, students. Going back to forever this summer, there was this scene where, um, you know, Marky was singing her song and she was getting down. So music was also the way that I communicated with my grandmother. So you, you would see her sing when she's like, you know, when it's a good day, you would mm -hmm. dance when it's a better day. And then um, I, you know, so I, 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 it transported me again to the little Denny that would be playing her little radio and her tape and singing, you know, singing with her. Um, I, you know, I, I relate to that story a lot, but, and also a bunch of other things in the story, Ms. Leslie, but did you have to do any other research regarding the disease while you were writing oh. it? Oh, I did. I did as much as I, I, I could. I watched videos. I talked to people. And, you know, and we do have a, a, a close family friend who is, is currently um, battling it now. So, you know, there's so much to do, even though each case is, is individual and the, the stages vary and so much. But I, I, I did a lot. I, I did a lot of reading. But the, what, what I found, though, um, and I think I bring this forth in the book, as you were saying, one of the common denominators seemed to be music. And, oh, my gosh, I, I looked at so many videos and read so many essays about how music was, music carries memories, as we, as we know, it transports us. So you put on a, a song and it's, it's no longer, you know, 2021 is 1978 is it's, it's 1983 and that is what soothes you know the mind and in, in, in a lot of situations so that was important for me to to bring in to um forever this summer and you know in my personal experience with my grandmother when I would talk with her she would often say you know do you hear the children singing and you know when I didn't understand what was happening, I was like, Grandma, I don't hear. And then I eventually just started to say, I hear them, Grandma, I hear them. And, you know, so that that stuck with me. One of the most uh, beautiful parts of your novel um, had to be for me was, well, there were two things, but this was one of them, um, was that you're, of the intertwining of Black history, uh, and, and you, throughout the story, uh, from mentioning of talking about segregation to Hurricane Katrina, and it is easy for writers to bypass these subjects when they're writing fiction. It's easy to not even like think about it just to write whatever their main story is, uh, but you chose to include these points. And from your time spent talking to children about this novel, has any of them ever mentioned these particular moments? 
that you wrote about? Well, you know, you know, and this is the unfortunate thing because we're in this strange uh, in-between time with the pandemic. Sometimes, you know, we're doing virtual, but then we're not. And, and so I, I don't, I haven't had a lot of time to talk to kids about the book. Um, it just came out in July and schools, you know, schools were out and the gatherings that I would normally go to haven't been that many. So I haven't had a, a lot of, of time, but the times that I have, um, I think what comes up and what has come up as of late is, is of course, Hurricane Katrina. I did receive a couple, um, well, email from, from one parent who was reading it with her uh, daughter and they found that to be timely and that was a, a gateway for her for the mom to talk more about Hurricane Katrina um, so that is really all that and I'm sure as the months go you know go on and, and we'll we're into the school uh, year I'll know more but right now um, I'm, I'm I, I know if, if I use for um, if I use Love Light Sky as as you know the track record definitely I have more to come because mm -hmm. I, I don't I mean it's not by accident that that I well how should I say I know that I needed to write those that history in there for for it to be the novel that I wanted to write which is forever following Morrison's advice um, you know, if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you should write it. I'm forever thinking that way. And and I can't write a novel without including it. So we're not going to erase it, but we are going to talk about it and move forward. But we're not, I'm, ne I'm never going to paint it as if those things didn't exist. Mm. And as long as I write for children or, or write for anyone, I'm going to find a way to work in something that I believe teachers could use to, to teach. Like I mentioned um, people that, that we've lost through, through violence, through police brutality, and cause kids can digest that. And so, so it's, it's there. Now, do I get pushback because people, it's not as fluffy as they think the <laughs> Sometimes I, I got that, uh, hey, you know, this picture doesn't give us the impression that it's gonna have all this hard hitting stuff in here. But it's a lot of joy in there, I would say. It's both. So we've come to the end of our interview when we asked the, the last question, which is the question we ask every single author when they come on. And we want to know, what are your top five books of all time? And we'll give you, we'll give you a, a little comfort room. If that one is too hard, what are the top five books that you are excited for people to know about that could be coming out that, that you like actually really, truly love and you want people to know, but we want to know your top five. Okay. Well, let me tell you, I, I'm going to tell you this. One is very easy. It is my favorite book of all times. I listen to it at least a couple times a year, especially on audio. And that is Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Solomon. Um, so that is my favorite book. And let me see, Song of Solomon, uh, Blue Aside, uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain, of course. And then I'm going to, um, okay, then I want to, probably Daddy was a, a numbers runner. Daddy, Daddy was a number runner because I, I had not seen a, a outside of the ball when that that novel portrayed that coming of age in a way that I, I hadn't you know really experienced so and now let me see something's coming out that I'm really excited about oh you know what I want a couple kids books or middle grade books one of my favorite as of late has was uh the summer the, the season of stick Malone the, the season of sticks Malone who is who was, is uh, Kiki, um, I think it's Kiki Magoon is, is this, this, the season of Sticks Malone, I'm pretty sure. And Rita Williams Garcia for um, Rita, for One Crazy Summer. 
Yeah. I, I did read that a lot. And I think that's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now. Okay. Can I, if you want to add some, you I can. Cannot, <laughs> I cannot let you go without talking about, I had the pleasure of uh, being in conversation with Jewel Parker Rhodes and Jewel Parker Rhodes wrote Ghost Boys as you know that was that was I think that's her most recent one she has a new one out now but Ghost Boys so I'm gonna end it with that one so if you haven't read Ghost Boys that that was that's a great one by Jewel Parker Rhodes well awesome I think that's a good solid list right there (laughs) um again we just want to say thank you so much for joining us on our podcast we really greatly enjoyed it and like we said it once you write that prequel we hope or anything whatever it is that you write in the future you are more than welcome to come back and, and share it with us we want to talk about it well thank you Veronica and thank you Denny and thank you guys for really honing in on the the Alzheimer, Alzheimer's and in, in the book and, and understanding you know the importance of it, and and I do hope that that more when when more people really read it and, and talk about that with kids, um, you know I, I really hope that it goes a long way and and just um, letting kids know that they that they can do what 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 has been called creative activism and and do something to help. Yeah, yes. I I can finally say. Because I haven't said this a lot about the books that we read here. We we read quite a lot of books, but this is really one of the books that I wish I had when I was younger. Because it there my my both of my grandparents had passed away. They're with the Lord, and I'm sure they're dancing and singing <laughs> heaven. But this this one really this one really like hit me i read this book in half a day miss leslie i could oh. not put it, i could not put it down i was that child i well, was the baby yeah. and i and i'm and I, that's what i love to hear denny and i'm thinking that there will we will touch other people like that as well and i sincerely sincerely appreciate that you guys have been great and i thank you for having me on so much thank, thank you good night guys keep tight i love a show where i can just talk you know everyone else is like rushing 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 you could just be long-winded here i love it <laughs> you, you can come back you can tell us tell us everything tell us everything so good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. All right. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.